Hello there. This is the Psychology Report. I'm glad you joined me today. You know, today is uh, February the 12th, 2017. Now, that's just another day in history. But you know, many years ago, on this very day, one of the most important men of history entered the world. The year was 1809, the birth of President Abraham Lincoln. He came to be the 16th president of the United States and is now regarded as probably the number one or number two president that's ever served our country. Great, great appreciation for this man. Some time ago, I uh, was uh, advised to find some figure in history and read about that person and become an expert on that particular person. You can't on everybody, but you can on somebody. In the course of my readings, in the course of my understandings, I chose Jonathan Edwards. I've read about him. I've visited about his life. I have looked into it from a different angles. I've written a book on it. Jonathan Edwards, A Life Well Lived. Other people have written it about other men. And many people have chosen Abraham Lincoln as the man that they revere and the man that they study and the man that they become an expert on. I don't consider myself an expert on Abraham Lincoln. But I do consider myself an admirer of him. I do consider myself a man that looks at this man as a leader of our country and an example for us not only as politicians and as lawyers and as professionals, but as just individual people. He was a great man. He lived only some 55 years or 56 years. Died in 1865, as you know, as a result of an assassination. Right when the Civil War was coming to its conclusion. So, he paid a price. But he was a famous man. Now, I have visited his home in Springfield, Illinois. It's a tourist place. I visited there. I've been in his home, I've gone through the various rooms, I've walked his yard, I've walked down the street to his office, I've been in the, in, in the office that he held, his law office that he held during those years, and I've been in the uh, Capitol building there, where he served as president, where, where he served locally, and then became president, and then moved from there to Washington. So I... Uh, understand a little bit about Abraham Lincoln. I wish I knew more. But I do recommend him as a man for your study and for your consideration. I do remember a photo or a sketch of uh, Abraham Lincoln, and that has always stuck in my mind. It isn't only what you read about a person, but it's also some of the visualizations you have about a person. This sketch placed Abraham Lincoln out in the field out behind his house. He was leaned up against a tree. He was reading a book. He was self-educated. He's what we call homeschooled. And he took education very seriously, not only for himself, but then subsequently for his children. But here's a man that took education in a high regard, educated himself, and then became not only the president, but became one of the most famous and intellectual uh, figures of our American history. There's also a man that suffered. 
He had a wife that was mentally ill. He had a wife that just became an impossible person to live with. He struggled with that during his presidency and throughout, throughout his years. And um, that was a hard thing for him. And he had many who opposed him. He had many who gave him much opposition during his presidency and, and even before. So he had much difficulty to deal with. But he was a man who stuck with it and with character. Sometimes it's a matter of how you develop your character. You know, if you have no problems in life, you don't develop deep-rooted character. But if you have a problem and you resolve it, you have a problem and you deal with it, you have a problem and you face it, you have a problem and you somehow uh, address it and, and deal with it, you build character along the way. One problem, two problems, three problems, four problems. It's okay to have problems. They develop your character. They develop your resolve. They develop your sense of problem solving and decision making and, and your uh, commitment to the values and to the philosophy of life that you hold. So it isn't a matter of being problemless, but it's being problem directed and problem resolving that makes the difference. And that's the kind of man he was. He also had a man, he was a man of the Bible. He had a very famous Bible. In fact, his Bible is now in the Library of Congress, and his Bible has probably been the Bible most often used by subsequent presidents to have, to place their hand on, and to make the oath of office as they come into their presidency. In other words, not only was the man of historical significance, but the man's Bible was of great historical significance, that people honor him when they honor his Bible. They honor his God when they honor his Bible and use his Bible for the inauguration oath that Mr. Trump just recently completed. He used his own Bible that his mother gave him, but he also used the Lincoln Bible, and many have as well. Barack Obama did, as another recent example. But Lincoln served and lived his life over trying to overcome and to struggle with and to battle depression. This was an emotional distress that he went through and, and constantly had to deal with in his life. Now, depression is a uh, time when a lot of people just cannot make it, and they have to withdraw from whatever they're doing and have a time of rebuilding their life. John Edwards suffered from depression as well. Many presidents suffered from depression. But I think in the case of uh, President Lincoln, and many people have kind of debated this question really what it was, modern-day psychology would probably call it dysthymia. Dysthymia is a low-grade, chronic, mild depression. You function, but you function with less energy. You function with ups and downs. You function with the strain and the stress of, of life and a battle that you face with life all the time. And you, and you it's like walking uphill all the time. But you, but you can do it. You can make it. You don't, it's not something you overcome, and it's not something that overcomes you. But it's just a struggle with life of mild, low-grade depression. That's dysthymia. He took a blue pill 
probably was an herbal pill, if you would look at it today, as, a, as his answer to depression. You know, that's maybe what he thought was maybe going to be helpful. Maybe it was a sugar pill. Maybe it was nothing more than a placebo. But he used it as his combating effort to overcome his depression or his dysthymia. He was also known to read humor when he was depressed. When the dysthymia and depression started to build up a little bit too strongly, he'd read humor. Now, maybe he found humor as a way to overcome the depression, which is true, by the way. That's a method even today that we recommend for people who are depressed is to, you can't be humorous and depressed at the same time. So if you can get into this literature and to the sense of humor and read humor, you can moderate, at least, your feelings of depression or dysthymia. And we think he wrote when he was depressed. We think he did a lot of writing. Journaling, we call it today. You know, where you just write your daily experiences and write your thoughts and your emotions and your feelings kind of on a day-to-day -day basis or maybe at the end of the week or on some kind of a periodic basis. Writing is a good method to overcome depression, like reading humor and uh, maybe some medication and then maybe obviously talking to your friends and people who can give you some counsel. But he wrote. He wrote a poem. It's called The Soliloquy of Suicide or The Suicide Soliloquy. You know, this was a piece of poetry about suicide. Now, there's some debate as to whether he wrote it. But generally speaking, it's considered that this was part of his writing. And I think it was part of his journaling. I think it was part of the, he was trying to express himself. He was trying to express his emotions, to express his frustrations, to, to express his despair. And because he was a prolific writer and a, probably a very excellent writer, he did it in the form of a soliloquy, a form of a piece of poetry, and thereby expressed you know, some of his feelings. And I recommend that as a way for you to deal with some of the feelings that you have when you get depressed and discouraged. But you know, there are a lot of people that were up against him. There are a lot of people that opposed him. He had trauma. He had a lot of personal trauma in his own family. He had losses, friends and within his family. He had many losses. Politically, legally, he had many losses. He was betrayed by his close friends and advisors. So he knows what betrayal is all about and was often unsupported by even some of his good friends who kind of turned against him and didn't support him. Now we see this today in politics, we see this today in our relationships, we see this everywhere. He had those kind of things too. No wonder he may have had dysthymia or mild depression. You kind of have to face those kinds of things of people that you trust and they betray you, people that you befriend and they abandon you and... Uh, turn against you and are not there when you need it. They're not close like a brother. You know, and then obviously you have to deal with trauma and you have to deal with stresses that come on in your life. I mean, this is tough going. And to be president at the same time, here's a man that had great internal strength. And we have to admire him for that. You know, there, but there's three lessons that kind of come to my attention that uh, I think have implications for uh, all of us, certainly as parents, it has implications for us. As employees, it has implications. As a married person, it has implications for us. As parents, I mean, here's a couple, three points that were part of the heritage and the, and the lineage of Mr. Lincoln. His historian, Barry Schwartz, 
said this about him. He was a moral symbol, inspiring and guiding American life. You know, that's a pretty profound statement to a person. A moral symbol, inspiring and guiding American life. Now, who in the world would you look to today as a parallel? Who is today's moral symbol, inspiring and guiding American life? Take it personally. Is that you? Are you a person that other people look to and think of as a moral symbol, inspiring and guiding their life? Are you an example? Are you a model? Are you a person of leadership and a person of, of uh, importance to other people in that regard that Barry Swartz said of Lincoln? Here's what Barry Swartz also said of Lincoln. He was able to see the world's disappointments, but made them meaningful, not just something to be explained. Here's what Mr. Swartz is saying. Lincoln had a worldview. Lincoln saw the worldview from the point of view of successes and failures, achievements and, and the lack of achievements. And many times he and others, the world, the American population, became disappointed. And his job was to not give excuses for it, not to explain it away, but to give meaning to it. What's the meaning that you can have in a disappointment? We get through our depressions, we get through our disappointments, we get through our hurts, we get through our traumas. If we look at them as something that happened for purpose, something that happened with meaning, something that happened that will make us a better person, a better country, a better family, a better husband, a better wife, a better employee, a better employer, or whatever. Obviously, there are disappointments in life. And his job as president was not to just explain them away, not to justify them, not to overlook them, not to even to depend them, but to give them meaning, to give them a sense of purpose and a sense of value for the American people. And then thirdly, President Lincoln had a friend, and um, he had many friends, and they always followed what he would do, what he did. And throughout history, many people became friends with Lincoln, long after Lincoln died. And one of those friends was FDR Roosevelt. He was a friend of Lincoln. Now, FDR came quite a bit later than Lincoln. But had they lived at the same time and been in the same town, they would have been friends. But, but Roosevelt felt friendly towards Lincoln. And in the midst of the war, in the midst of the decision-making, as the World War II was coming to its conclusion, he always viewed it this way. What would Lincoln do? That was his guiding light. That was his guiding principle. That was his guiding question. That was the question he used for his decision-making as it came to the World War II. What would Lincoln do? How would he handle the situation? You know, and that's a good thing. We would all learn from that. Remember the bracelet that kids used to wear around their wrist? What would Jesus do? Well, it would be a great thing for a kid to think of your own child in your own home to say, what would my dad do? What would my mother do? What would my grandfather do? 
You know, we look to other people for guidance, for purpose, and for uh, fulfillment. We look, for, we look to people to give us a sense of, of direction in our life. And it's good and it's important for us to have people in our life that we can look to, that we value and that we appreciate and we respect. And we can say, what would that person do? And then use that as an example of how to handle a problem, how to handle a situation, how to handle a conflict, how to handle something that's beyond you. But get a sense of direction, get a sense of, of uh, decision making, and get a sense of problem solving by just asking that question. What would Lincoln do? And if you know Lincoln, you had a kind of a sense of how he would handle that situation. If you knew Jesus, you have a kind of a sense of what Jesus would do in that situation when you say, what would Jesus do? If you knew your grandfather, if you knew your father well, and you say, what would my grandpa do? What would my father do? That's a way of kind of getting a sense of direction. It's getting a, a, a beam of light headed in the right direction and following it. It's kind of like getting a North Star and following it, getting a hold of a value, a principle, and developing your life around that in the same way that you can have a person that you develop your life around. Maybe not totally, and maybe not forever, but to get that sense of direction from the people that are of great value to us and that we respect. So Lincoln, yes, I commend him to you. Read something about him. We have the President's Day coming up pretty soon. And maybe between now and then, you'll be able to read something about Lincoln and get a little perspective of Lincoln yourself, just personally. Just pick up a book or go to the websites uh, that are available on his life and just kind of uh, do a little bit of reading. Just get a little sense of who Lincoln was and maybe it'll give you a sense of direction in your life and maybe some meaning and maybe some value and maybe an opportunity for you to just get a little appreciation for American history, but for this American historian. This man who made America, basically, as our 16th president of the United States. I commend Lincoln to you. Now, let me just say this before we close today. March the 4th is coming up. I start my first television program on Central Valley Talk. CentralValleyTalk.com You go online, 10 o'clock in the morning, Saturday, March the 4th. And for an hour, I'm going to deal with a topic of Dr. Teach Me to Parent. Look at some issues of parenting and guide our audience and guide our parents to become better parents, more effective parents, more intentional parents by looking at themselves first. Am I ready to be a parent? Am I a good parent? Am I capable of parenting? Taking a look at that kind of question. But Dr. Teach Me to Parent is the new television program and I recommend it to you, and why don't you join me? March the 4th, 10 o'clock in the morning, Saturday, on centralvalleytalk.com. Bye for now.